Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 20 and 21. And I will have other scriptures that I'll be reading from, but we will be reading 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. You can follow us up on the board. This is how it reads in 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 and 21. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. As a title for this message, I have given, what kind of vessel am I? What kind of vessel am I? You can ask that of yourself. What kind of vessel are you? If you are going to be a vessel, and we sing that song, I want to be a vessel that God works through. I want to be more like him. If you're going to be a vessel, you are going to have a specific use. When vessels have been designated for a purpose of little importance, it is rare that the vessel will be given the same value of a vessel that was purchased for a high purpose. In many cases, when important vessels have lost their importance, their significance, or their significance, it may at times be used for things that are not considered to be very important. So let me ask you again, what kind of vessel are you? Are you a vessel of high importance or are you a vessel that just kind of takes in everything? When the Bible speaks in chapter 2, verse 20, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold, and silver, but also of wood and clay for honorable use. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. The large house that Paul mentions is, is a metaphor for the church as he goes on to talk about that metaphor in verse 21. There are some believers who are serving the Lord faithfully. And there are some and others who are unfaithful, representing the false teachers that Paul has been warning Timothy that he is to keep from preaching and to keep them from stating those things that are opposed to Scripture. Paul's primary concern is that Timothy avoid the teachings of the false teachers rather than the false teachers themselves. Do you not know that if people that are unsaved or people that are Christians but are living below and beneath the call of God, that we are to be involved in their lives? How in the world are the unsaved going to be saved if Christians are always avoiding them? <laughs> Do you not realize that you have a mandate from God to be salt to a world that needs salt. <laughs> You've got to understand 
that you have been given a charge by God, and that is to live a life that is holy. It is interesting that when we consider a house, when it is being built, we often say, what a beautiful house. Who made that house? Oh, I would love to have a house like that. But Paul does not focus on the house per se. His focus is on the vessels inside the house. There's a twist here. It's the vessels that Paul is concerned with. I've told you many times that we had dishes that we could not just use during the week growing up. Everybody that I recall had a china cabinet. And in that cabinet was often glass. It was beautiful wood. And those, those things that were put there were sanctified. They were wholly set apart for Sunday purposes. I dare not go on a Monday after coming from outside playing baseball in some dirty clothes and go grab one of those dishes. My mom would say, boy, what are you doing? Get out that cabinet. Well, in fact, I didn't go over there anyway. I knew on Sundays, though, I could go in there and carefully remove the dishes. I don't know what people were thinking about having kids around all that glass. It's just amazing to me that we never dropped a dish in that cabinet. I guess we probably knew that if we did, we wouldn't be here today. I was very careful. We had special glasses there. So we had those like turquoise rims, white plates, the glasses, the saucers, the forks beneath. Oh, Sundays were special. During the week, we went to a different cabinet, got plastic, (laughs) plastic cups, (laughs) silverware out of of a different cabinet. (laughs) Those are everyday use. They weren't set apart. But the vessels that we had for Sunday, we knew that they were special. Paul let Timothy know that within every house, there are vessels that are vessels of gold and silver. That would represent believers that are doing the will of God. Those that are set apart, that are being faithful to God. Then there are those vessels that were being used for ignoble purposes. Now, as Paul is dealing with this matter here, he had previously dealt with the issue of those that had been teaching false doctrine, and he began to name names in the mentioning of what was happening. Hymenaeus and Philetus in verses 17 and 18 were telling the church and telling people that the resurrection had already occurred and they had missed it. And they were disturbing the faith of some of the believers and some of those that were in the church. They were leading some astray. And Paul told Timothy, these individuals you must watch out for. When we consider the vessels that Paul is speaking about, he would have in mind and would be referring back to those individuals that he had that he had mentioned. 
He had even mentioned some earlier on. But Paul has this task before him of needing to make sure that the church is taken care of. And it is very important that one guards what is proclaimed. In verse 21, it is suggested that Paul's main point for Timothy was to keep from the false teachings of Hymenaeus and Philetus. Keep away from that. Don't keep away from the teachers of that religion, but their teachings. Don't you emulate. Do you not know that you have a task to tell the truth when people are telling a lie? The church has, an, has this very incredible responsibility of being truthful to the word of God when the culture wants to cancel you. Let them cancel anyway. You've got a mandate to preach the word of God. To tell that which is true. And I tell you today, there is a challenge that the church has because while everybody's been canceled, the church, some have been bending to that which is radical and the church has to remember, you've got to give a hearing to God. You have to stand before God in judgment. God is the one that you've got to respond to and answer to. There are three things that Paul mentions in verse 21 of a person who is going to be used for honorable purposes or have an honorable use. And it's right there in the text. Three things. If you're going to be used, he said, you will be set aside for that which is holy. And I was just speaking about that. When we consider the holiness of God, God's character is holy. Who he is is holy. So when we think about a holy God, we must consider that God cannot tolerate sin. The fact that he is pure holiness, it means that he has to judge sin. The purpose of Christ coming to die on the cross was so that God's wrath would be satisfied, that the penalty would be paid by a worthy one, only God himself could do it. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in that garden, there was a separation that occurred. The holiness of God says, I can no longer tolerate you in my presence as you are. And what did God do? He's the one that created a way back to himself. You can't come to God on your own terms. You can't make up the rules as you go. <laughs> so he says you've got to be holy. Why? Because God's character is holy. He has to judge sin because that's who he is. And the reason that he judges is because it's who he is, his character. And the fact of the matter is that you've got to remember this. When Jesus came to this earth, it required a perfect sacrifice. In order to satisfy God's wrath, his judgment that fell on Christ was meant for you and me. Would have been for you and me. But Christ paid the price. So the Lord says, if you're going to be used for honorable purposes, you've got to be set apart for my exclusive use. That's what sanctification means. It means that I'm being set apart for God's exclusive use. The second thing that he mentions is that he says you will be useful to the master of the house. 
Now he goes back and brings up the fact of the matter that there is this house, this church family. Within it, you have those that are doing right. You have those that are doing wrong. You will be used by the master of the house. That's the second thing that he mentions. The master has plans for you. When you come into the house of the Lord, you can't just do anything. (laughs) But you must do what he has set out for you to do. And the third thing that he mentions is that you will then be ready for every good work. Now get this. He didn't say that you will have a specific task at this point. He says whatever that needs to be done, whatever the work is, he says you will be ready for it. Those three things that he mentions. Each of these noble pieces are in contrast to the things that were ignoble, those things that were wrong. There is the possibility for each vessel to be used for noble purposes. And here's an interesting thing to me. Whenever there's something that was made for noble purposes, it's placed in a certain type of vessel that is considered to be valuable. But this is something that I found interesting. That which was ignoble, that could that was normally not used for anything good. The Bible was saying here is that it can be raised up and it can change the purpose for which it was initially being used for. So even if you've been blown, if the Bible says that you can change, you can have a difference in your life. And that which was wrong, the false teaching, all that was being done that might have been evil can now be turned around for that which can be given honor and glory to the almighty God. In Romans chapter 9, verses 20 through 22, this is a little bit different. I want to read this. He says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has a potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Now, this seems to be a little different than what Timothy is addressing. In this example, Paul is saying that God, in his own wisdom, creates things at times, and it sometimes seems to be, why would God make that and do that, or why would God allow this to happen to that person? On the author here, which is Paul of Romans, it says, Who are we to question who God is? But in Timothy, that's not what the intent is. I want to bring this up as a contrast because what Timothy is being charged with is telling those who are doing that which is wrong, you can change. God is saying that you can be raised up and it only requires that you have the dedication to do that which is right. Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 30. I'm going to read this parable and comment on it. I preached this sometime in the past, but I wanted to bring this up and tie this into our message. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, this parable here is the second of three parables that the Lord gives. This is the second within that series. This is how it reads. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, 
his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barns. Notice that the enemy, as Dr. Butler notes, does not sow in his own field. I said that to you before. Do you not know the enemy doesn't sow in his own field? Here it is. God made you. And he is trespassing on God's property. Planting stuff in you and you listening to him. Planting weeds. You don't have to listen to the enemy. He's on private property. (laughs) So he's sowing in another person's field. Satan is interested in messing up the good that Christ does. Get this. Those false teachers were only interested in destroying the faith of those that were following Christ. So the enemy comes in this parable at night when he can't be detected, does his dirt, and then leaves before the finger can be pointed at him. Therefore, it is the owner of the field who is always being accused of the mess that comes up. Isn't that interesting? The owner of the field who plants good seed. Why did God allow this? Why is God doing this? Why does God always have to do this when the enemy has been the one sowing on his property, sowing weeds? The problem of the seeds that the servants of the master noticed only came about when the wheat produced. In other words, the fruit revealed the problem. When the wheat and the darnel that is noted here, which were the weeds, were growing, it was undetected by the servants of the master, the owner of the house. They knew he planted good seed, but the weeds that had been planted were not detected until the fruit came. Notice that the servants have been working in the field, but did not detect it. Each day out there. Exposure to that which is a problem is often maxed until a later time. You sometimes don't know the damage that the enemy does until much further down the road. One of the interesting things about the wheat that the master of the house planted and the weeds that were sown into that field is that they look exactly alike as they grow. The difference is that with the wheat and the darnel, once the 
head is produced, they're different colors. The darnel has a black head. And the wheat stands alone as good. And the darnel is poisonous. You see, teaching that infiltrates the church, teaching that is planted by the enemy is poisonous. You leave it alone, it will eventually infect everything on the inside. And so it has to be dealt with. Now Paul notices that there is a responsibility the person has themselves, and that is to step up and be used for the purpose of those things that are honorable. If you allow things to be planted in you, you will soon find that you have lost control. We at times have, during the rainy season, just a beautiful green grass, but let the rain dry up. you got weeds just all over the place, just weeds. If you don't do some tending to your life, before you know it, you'll be bickering and fighting and arguing and saying all types of things, trying to get people on your side. But if you're going to be a vessel used by the king of glory, you've got to learn to cut some things out and be used for holy purpose. And the good thing in being used for holy purposes is that the Bible says in Timothy that you can do it. You can be used and you can move from being a person that is being used for ignoble purposes to one that is being used as silver and gold. The enemy, just like, just like the false teachers, is busy in the church today trying to keep the vessels from being used for honorable things and purposes. It is important to note, again, that a vessel can change. It does not have to remain a garbage dump. For every bad doctrine that blows through. Do you know some people that will hear one thing and they're swayed and run that way? They hear something else, they run that way? The only thing that seems to be missing is the truth. They don't seem to be swayed often by the truth. But let a bad doctrine come along. Oh, there they go. <laughs> Help us, Lord. So my question to you as I wrap this up, what kind of vessel are you? Are you a sower of discord and strife? Or are you set apart for a holy purpose? Are you useful to the master? Are you performing and are ready to do every good work? What kind of vessel are you? Have you taken inventory lately to see what is on the inside? Or does the enemy come at a time when you're sleeping and plant darnel? And the good soil that God has planted. If you're going to be a part of the church, you're going to have both inside. And Paul, when you look down at verses 24 through 26, which we'll get to, deals and addresses the issue and what is to be done. It is so wonderful that Paul does not leave the church, does not leave Timothy without a remedy. 
He says you're going to have difficulty, you're going to have problems, but there is a way to be able to overcome. So again, what kind of vessel am I? You know you're going to have to give an answer to that because people that challenge you want to know what kind of vessel you are. You know when you're questioned on the street, when a person asks you why you believe as you do, do you go, oh, well, <laughs> go to church sometimes, but it's, you know, it's okay. We can do some things. It doesn't make a difference. What kind of vessel are you? Are you set aside for God's own use? Or do you a little, little bit of that be poured in, a little bit of the other? If you're going to be used as gold and silver, well, there's a standard that has to be met. So, what kind of vessel am I? You can go from being used for ignoble purposes to that which is a Sunday set-aside plate, sanctified. <laughs> you can have the best every day. You don't have to go to church on Sunday sanctified and live on the plastic plates and cups during the week, Monday through Saturday. No, you can live like gold and silver every day. What kind of vessel are you? Please stand to your feet. <laughs> you got to answer that question. I don't want that question to elude you and evade you this week. I, I want you to think about that. What kind of vessel am I? What type of vessel does God see me as? Does how he see you match how you see you? If he said, I don't see that, then you, you, need, you need to take a different look. You need to check into that. But if he is saying good and faithful servant, well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you today for the word and that you have allowed us to be able to hear and that we can be vessels for noble purposes. Even when, God, there's been things that's been dumped in, it doesn't have to remain. Even when the wheat has weeds growing with it, may we not be like the darnel, the weed, the zazania, which is a type of dry grass. May we be the type, Lord, that honors you, that brings glory to your name. Today we love you and we thank you that you have given us a challenge to be worthy vessels. We thank you and we love you and give you all the glory. In the powerful and the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ King. Amen. Amen.